Hello and welcome to Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I am Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. If you tune in regularly, you'll know that we release our podcasts in three different formats. We have our interview series where we chat to policy experts. We have our 10-minute lesson series where we take an issue and just hit on the key points we think people need to know. And then we have our seminar series where we can listen back to some presentations we've had at previous events. This episode is a chance to listen back to a presentation from our 2023 annual social policy conference on the theme of a just transition. I will allow Mick, who was the chair on the day, to make the introductions and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Okay. Um, our last paper before we have a, a bit of a Q&A is from Megan Carmody, who is, Megan is coordinator of Coalition 2030. Megan, uh, the, co- the coalition supports over 70 Irish civil society organisations in their collaborative efforts to bring the sustainable development goals to fruition. Megan has eight years experience in the non-for-profit world, pushing for social, environmental and financial justice, while simultaneously developing a skill set ranging from policy analysis to campaigning to communications and mobilisation. And the title of Megan's paper is Using the SDGs to Solve the Just Transition, Ubix Cube. Okay, thanks, Mick. Hi, everyone. Uh, Just checking, you can see my main slide. Yeah, yeah I, think that's, I think that's visible, Megan, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, so um, as Brian mentioned, I'm from Coalition 2030. Uh, we're a network or alliance of just over 70 civil society organisations in Ireland, all working to see the SDGs come to fruition by 2030, and the SDGs being the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so what I'm going to talk about is how we can use the SDGs as a tool for enabling the Just Transition um, and first of all, I would like everyone to just imagine a Rubik's Cube. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. Um, so imagine it all messed up. All of its colors are messy. They're muddled. Uh, and you play around with it and you make just one of the sides, say, yellow. Um, and the rest remains shuffled. So have you solved the Rubik's Cube? And of course, the answer is no. Um, to actually solve a Rubik's Cube, you have to solve all of the colours simultaneously. And it's the same with sustainable development uh, and a just transition. So what I mean by that is that an attempt to just decarbonize, so reduce carbon emissions without paying attention to the social and environment, ecological impacts presents an unequal or an unsolved approach to development. Uh, and this results in an unjust transition and ultimately will hinder the entire project of transition. Um, So for a bit of context, um, we're all familiar with this, I suppose, but we're in what can be called um, an urgency dilemma. So in terms of urgency, um, we've already surpassed uh, the the average uh, global temperature since the Industrial Revolution reaching 1.5 degrees this year. Um, We are consistently breaking temperature records Uh, The Paris Agreement stipulates that we want to stay well below two degrees Celsius and uh, pursue efforts to not reach 1.5 degrees Celsius. Um, But Ireland actually has um, the highest greenhouse gas emissions per capita in the EU. So our Climate Action and Low Carbon Development Act uh, stipulates that we reduce our emissions by just over 50% by 2030 on 2018 emissions and then net zero by 2050. So as has been pointed out, this is a 
massive project of a scale that we've never seen. And I think wartime footing was was some language used earlier. Um, but the de- dilemma really is this. So how do we do that while ensuring that the burden doesn't disproportionately fall on those least able to bear it? Um, and that's where the, the SDGs come in. Now, my input explores the political economy of the just transition in Ireland and offers the SDGs as a really useful framework for actually ensuring that nobody is left behind. That's language that we've heard throughout the morning. Um, and how we do this is really holding the government to account on the commitments that it's made uh, to the Sustainable Development Goals. So I like to think of uh, these two concepts, sustainable development and a just transition, as two branches of the same route. They are very much saying similar things. They're talking about the importance of leaving no one behind. So that's why I think the SDGs can be very useful in our efforts to enable a just transition. In terms of what we actually mean though, um, we're using the word transition and that's the the term that has been agreed, this just transition that has been used for a number of decades now. A radical shift in the provision of services such as energy, transport, food or sanitation. But I suppose um, I just wanted to raise that there are many scholars that say the term transformation is actually more apt um, because that captures the scale of what is required. Uh, it doesn't imply a linear change. It implies, implies a structural change in many different areas. And then bringing just into it, uh, it implies an integrated approach to sustainable development. This is from the United Nations um, Economic Commission. Uh, brings together social progress, environmental protection, and economic success into a framework of democratic governance. That's hugely important. Um, I'll come to that in a few minutes. Uh, as most of you are probably aware, the, one of the earliest concepts of or formulations of the concept of a just transition was developed in the 80s by the US trade union movement. And that was in response to regulations to prevent air and water pollution and these regulations, which were positive environmentally, resulted in the closure of these offending industries. Uh, and these offending industries, which in their closure resulted in the loss of many, many jobs, were also the industries that encouraged the global um, community to examine how we can reconcile this tension between economic growth, um, development, and environmental degradation. And this is a tension that still exists. Um, so thus began the conversation on how to continue to develop for the long term without incurring environmental harm. Um, so what is sustainable development? We talk about the SDGs, but really bringing it back to its, its roots. Um, it was first defined in the Our Common Future report, um, or more commonly known as the, the Brundtland report from 1987, as development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Um, and this is from the World Commission on Environment and Development. So they were tasked in 1983 with exploring that tension between development and environment. Uh, few more uh, events of note over the le- next 20, 25 years or so. 
the Earth Summit in 92, the World Summit on Sustainable Development in 2002, and then importantly then in 2012, uh, the United Nations Conference on Sustainable Development or Rio Plus 20. Uh, that's where they first started to discuss this idea of sustainable development goals. Um, so the sustainable development goals are the driving force behind the outcome document of um, a set of negotiations in 2015 called Agenda 2030. So they're a set of 17 interconnected goals or global goals, and they seek to holistically address complex problems such as just transition in a coherent manner. Um, they have 169 underlying targets and 230 indicators um, and importantly and um, we use this a lot in coalition 2030 ireland was instrumental in actually agreeing uh, or negotiating the 17 stgs um, so you can see the hand there of david donahue who was the ambassador the irish ambassador to the un and himself and his colleague in, in kenya uh, they negotiated uh, 193 they facilitated 193 countries to agree the sdgs um so that's my way of articulating that we can use that history of the sdgs in our our discussions around just transition in our advocacy to, to hold the government to account um, importantly the sdgs specifically name a number of groups for example women uh, children young people persons with disabilities older persons, refugees, internally displaced persons and migrants, all as groups that must be protected in efforts to, to develop globally. Um, in Coalition 2030, we have uh, also named a number of, of groups um, specific to an Irish context that must be uh, accounted for in the transition. So what has all this got to do with a just transition? Um, the how of transition determines whether it, su it succeeds. If we don't go about this in a way that is attentive to the distributive burden and that burden of adjustment, it could jeopardize the entire project. Um, decarbonization at this scale can only be sustained if the socioeconomic dimension is uh, adequately appreciated. Um, and there's no better example of this, I think, than in France in recent years with uh, the Gilets Jaunes movement. And this was, as you're all probably aware, um, a movement of uh, largely working class people who felt unfairly burdened by um, uh, an ostensibly uh, climate uh, helping policy introduced by the Macron government. But the problem really is that Often these questions of social power and distribution aren't given the attention that they need. So it's really important that, that events like this take place. Um, but those questions of who wins, who loses, how and why, they are ultimately political. Um, and that's why advocacy and campaigning are, are crucially important to this whole national conversation. Um, it's very it's very possible that due to the lobbying power of a number of vested interests and groups that the burden of adjustment will fall disproportionately on those least able to bear it, jeopardizing the whole project and, of course, um, infringing on human rights in the process.
sorry, my slides have frozen for one second. Great. Um, so the central promise of uh, Agenda 2030 is to leave no one behind. Um, this not only entails reaching people within our countries, but also in other countries. So different to other uh, global programs like the Millennium Development Goals, which run from 2000 to 2015, the SDGs are universal. They apply to all countries. Um, so that means that uh, progressing uh, transition within Ireland's borders only, not being attentive to its impacts in other countries, is not uh, what is envisaged by the SDGs and is not enabling a just transition globally. Um, the Leave No One Behind principle also asks us to focus on the impact of multiple and intersecting inequalities. So I know Carrie-Anne spoke about the impact on women in particular of our current textile industry. Um, so it's important to, to ask those questions about who wins, who's, lo who's losing uh, and who's bearing the burden. Uh, these three elements of justice, so distributive justice, procedural and restorative justice, um, are uh, crucial to enabling a just transition. And all three of these can be buttressed or bolstered by being attentive to the Agenda 2030 framework. So, first of all, we look at distributive justice. So as I mentioned, these decisions about who wins and who loses and who bears the burden, it's important that they're evidence-based and that they ensure that we leave no one behind and reach the furthest behind, um, rather than being political and, and a result of, of lobbying by certain groups. Um, they must be based on the needs of certain groups and two groups in particular that are very much at risk uh, in the transition to a greener economy are travellers and older people. So travellers uh, experience significant levels of energy poverty, and Michelle will probably talk about that a bit more later, um, are largely still dependent on the burning of fossil fuels, often spend a quarter of their income on heating uh, their trailers, um, but they're excluded from access to retrofitting grants. And often the way that the energy credits are disseminated means that they are split between families and they don't go to each uh, trailer individually. Um, so these structures, uh, as well as the fact that many of the traveler accommodation, are, they're all they're in places that make it difficult to access low emission um, mobility, mean that this is a group that is at risk of being left behind. Secondly, there is older people. So it's estimated that more than 300,000 uh, poorly insulated homes or 60% of those with BRs of E, F or G are occupied by older persons. And we heard uh, earlier the example of the, the woman who fell out of her bed and if her home hadn't been uh, warm, she likely would have died. So these are people who are less able to perhaps lobby for their own interests, but are more at risk. Uh, so it's up to, to groups like this and to policymakers to take these groups into account. Um, even though these two groups, travellers and older people, are clearly two of the most negatively impacted and dependent on fossil fuels, the aviation industry continues to receive an excise exemption on its jet kerosene. Um, so is this fair? And where do these decisions, where are they made? 
and is this sustainable in the long run? Some groups will face inconvenience at this stage. We have waited so long to get our act together on climate change that it's it's inevitable that there will be some groups who, for whom the policies will negatively impact. But the question is, will these be groups historically unable to lobby for themselves or less empowered to lobby for themselves? Or will it be those already with significant resources? So the second element of justice I want to talk about is procedural justice. So nothing about us without us for us. This is a slogan that came from uh, DPOs, disabled persons, organizations. And it highlights that by neglecting to seek consensus on how the transition can be achieved in practice, um, you can end up uh, fostering severe distrust amongst those who are likely to be affected. Uh, and thirdly, and this relates to procedural, is the idea of restorative justice. So this implies rehabilitating those affected by an industry's end of operations. And this is probably the type of injustice we most associate um, with just transition at the moment anyway. Uh, there's a, a really good paper by uh, Bird and Lawton, and it points out that not just any work is OK as a substitute. Uh, it must be decent work. It must be appropriate to the people who are taking on this new work or training. Um, and that's where the SDGs come in as, as useful because they do call for decent work, uh, not just any work. So the most pertinent example probably is, is Bordnemona in Ireland. So this paper at the bottom how just or just transition plans from last year um, shows that there were a number of workers who, even though they articulated the types of training that they would like uh, in the process of, of being made redundant, uh, the training that was ultimately offered to them didn't actually align with what they had, what they'd said they, they needed or wanted. Um, they identified these various areas, but they weren't included in the training programs offered. Um, so this is not restorative justice. This is thinking that any job or any training can just slot in, um, in uh, as a replacement for a job that has somebody may have had for for decades. They're hugely part of the community. Um, it's culturally very relevant for them and their family. Um, but then not being offered something that is meaningful for them or decent. Uh, that doesn't actually translate to, to restorative justice in practice. They also interestingly felt that they could see renewable jobs on the rise uh, locally, but that those jobs weren't necessarily available to them. And that a lot of the manufacturing would have been happening abroad with very short-term jobs happening within Ireland. And as they were losing their job and not being offered something um, appropriate, they were seeing this, this happen. Uh, very nearby. So um, interestingly, one person called this globalization on a local scale. Um, so it's kind of a different uh, framing of that local to global. The SDGs also help us to prevent offshoring injustice. Um, electric vehicles, which Brian just talked about, uh, we need to ask ourselves, is just changing every car on the island of Ireland to electric uh, actually sufficient or just? And what impacts will this have around the world? So 
Um, we can't continue with the status quo uh, forever and uh, continue to grow. Um, we have to change the structures that we're living under and ensure that people abroad aren't uh, bankrolling our transition to a greener economy that will save us money. Um, and that picture there, as you can see, it's an EV charger being charged by uh, the mines um, that are likely mining cobalt or, or lithium um, and often include a lot of child labour. Uh, so this is another element of the SDGs that is useful. Instead of simply thinking about the carbon footprint of our activities, we need to think a bit more broadly and think about the broader ecological footprint, uh, as well as the human impacts around the world. Um, tar targets SDG uh, 8.8 and 8.7 um, are both about protecting labour rights, promoting safe working conditions, and the same for modern slavery, trafficking and child labour. Um, both of which, uh, if we were to continue on our current trajectory and just grow, 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 um, we could be at risk of contravening these SDG targets. So again, the SDGs, they're a tool to hold the government to account. Uh, so this was Leo Varadkar uh, very recently in September saying that Ireland commits to bold, accelerated, just and transformative actions anchored in international solidarity and effective cooperation to create a sustainable future for all. Um, but are our actions in Ireland uh, coherent with this grant statement? We've heard about the inequities in transport, seen about uh, retrofitting homes that leaves some further some people further behind, um, in particular members of the travelling community, older people, uh, over a third of Irish households are threatened by energy poverty. Think about people with long-term health issues, one-parent families, um, people in direct provision, refugees, asylum seekers. A lot of people really need many much support and um, we're at risk of uh, being not having integrity nationally if we continue to make these grand statements and don't back it up with action. And for example, Sheen. So uh, what Carrie-Anne mentioned, we have the three party leaders um, at the launch of the National Implementation Plan for the SDGs uh, about a year and a half ago now. And then you have Minister Simon Coveney opening Sheen. Um, so this is an example of policy incoherence um, which is what we need to be pointing out. So I suppose uh, in sum, um, transition is inevitable at this stage, but justice is not. Not all paths to a safer environment are just. It is possible to transition sufficiently fast, but we can do so in a very unjust way. Um, and I'd argue that threatens the entire project uh, of transition. So we either have rapid but socially regressive transition uh, or we have rapid lock-in of climate breakdown along unsustainable lines, um, or we have a just transition. So the SDGs are an underutilised tool at the moment in our repertoire for addressing a just transition, um, and I think we should really be pushing for, for their use. So, um, yeah, that's me. Oh, my last positive slide is about calling for a future generations commissioner, which is something that Coalition 2030 is pushing for and which can enable a, uh, a just transition for now and into the future. So, thank you.
Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you have any ideas for conversations you'd like us to have, any topics that you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie. Until next time, stay safe.